Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 314 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode... I want to talk about Leonard Ravenhill's prayer life. Let's dive in. One of my heroes of the Christian faith is Leonard Ravenhill. And though he didn't die very long ago, I've been deeply stirred and inspired by the life that he lived and the message that he preached. Well, I've been reading through his biography called In Light of Eternity, by Mac Tomlinson. I have been just deeply blessed and encouraged freshly hearing about this godly man's life. And one of the things I've just been deeply impressed with afresh is just his love and his passion for prayer. And I want to give you some highlights from one of the chapters. It's chapter 16. It's called The Hidden Life of Prayer, which by the way, if you've never read that book by David McIntyre, it's an incredible book on prayer that Leonard Ravenhill used to recommend. But let me just give you a few quotes from this biography, because I think it just gives a portrait of what Leonard's passion for prayer really was. And so I'm just going to kind of hodgepodge read a few of these uh, sections uh, for you. Tomlinson says this, As a young Christian, Leonard's main goal was not primarily to be a preacher, but a man of prayer. He goes on and says, I can say with certainty that Leonard is the only man I've ever known who prayed more than he studied or read. He spent hours alone in prayer in the mornings, afternoons, and evenings, and also late at night. Any night between midnight and 5 a.m. might find him at prayer for hours. It was not always the same schedule, but it was consistent, serious, and concentrated prayer. Leonard had utterance in prayer, an intimacy with God that was almost embarrassing. It was the kind of praying that rebuked the lukewarm, stirred the godly, and inspired anyone who had a heart for God. His prayer life made others realize they did not know God the way he did. One of the young men that came to his prayer meetings on Friday nights said this about Leonard. Leonard's passion for God fueled his prayer life. He was often in prayer hours each day. Many men have talked about the amount of time Ravenhill spent in prayer. There is no need to try to calculate it. The reality is it was often consistent 
and hours every day. Prayer was not a part of his life. It was his life. I can still remember him saying to me, I don't want to meet a man who has written more books than me or is a better preacher than me or has preached to more people than me. I want to meet a man who has more of God on his life than I do. That's what I long for. It's interesting as you look at Ravenhill's life, one of the things that he deeply desired is he said if he could go back into Bible history, right? If he could go back in a time machine and visit any scene in scripture, he says the one thing that he would ask for most is to go back to a time where he could listen to Jesus pray. I think that is such an interesting insight into Ravenhill's life that he didn't just merely talk about prayer. He didn't just esteem prayer. He was a man of prayer. And as you start to walk through his life, you start to notice that much of his life was built around this passion, this desire, this unction to actually not just spend hours in prayer, but to help other people learn how to pray as well. In fact, one of the things he used to do is when he would be meeting with young guys, one of the things he would encourage them is that, that they would take on prayer as their primary ministry. That yes, they may be called to a variety of actual ministries, but their primary ministry is supposed to be prayer. Let me give you a couple other quotes. Tomlinson says this, nothing impressed Ravenhill as much as a Christian who truly prayed. When he observed this in someone's life, he knew they truly knew God and sought God. This is what impressed him more than outward activities or ministry gifts. Leonard believed that such a life of private prayer would do more for the kingdom of God than any outward busy ministry could ever do. He longed to see young people choose prayer as their main occupation and work. As I've been reading through this chapter recently, I just was freshly stirred by what is my passion for prayer? You know, one of the things that Ravenhill is often quoted as saying, and he said it in many of his sermons, but he said that no one is greater than their prayer life. And that's an interesting statement when you really get down to it, that if you and I were going to actually measure our life and we only measured it, not on what we've accomplished, not on things we've said or done or intended to do, what if the only measurement for our life was the time we spent in prayer? Well, I don't know about you, but that's convicting. <laughs> that is so stirring. And I'm, I, I just, every time I listen to Ravenhill, I'm always, I feel like I'm called up to another level of intimacy with Christ. I, I feel like there's such a burden that Ravenhill had for revival and for prayer that I'm like, yes, me too. I, I, I desperately, desperately want that. Ravenhill was trained under Samuel Chadwick, which must have been an incredible experience. But listen to what Chadwick said about prayer. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. No man is greater than his prayer life. And that obviously struck a chord with Ravenhill because it was from this influence of Chadwick that I, I think you begin to see in his life, begin to stir up this passion for spending hours of time in prayer and not seeing prayer as a duty or as an obligation or as a waste of time, but rather seeing it as a necessity in the Christian life. Let me just finish reading by giving this little statement that, that Ravenhill wrote to challenge the American church. And it's a message that he often proclaimed, but let me just give you a little section of it. 
He said, he's speaking of pastors, but he says, oh, my ministry brethren, much of our praying is only giving God advice. Our praying is discolored with ambition, either for ourselves or for our denomination. Perish the thought. Our goal must be God alone. It is his honor that is at stake. If we are weak in prayer, then we are weak everywhere. Can I ask you, as we've entered into this new year, what does your prayer life look like? Is it just something that you you add to your life and you just check it off a list and get on with the rest of your day? Or are you laboring to actually have a greater intimacy, a greater passion, a greater fervor, a greater unction and, and anguish in the presence of God through prayer? I've been pondering over the last couple of weeks, just this idea of the men of Christian history who were people of prayer. And as you ponder, whether it's John Hyde or Brainerd or Wesley, and you could start going down through the list, you start to notice that the men and women that God used were often men and women of great prayer. And as I look at the state of the church today and and the encroaching darkness of the world, and as I look at all the craziness that is probably on the horizon for this year, what the church desperately needs, what God is longing to have is men and women of prayer, men and women who who don't care about the prestige, they they don't care about the fame, they don't care about the fortune, they, they don't care about being known. What they care is about the glory of God. And their lives are given in this reality of prayer. I heard it once said that God does nothing except an answer to prayer. And if that's true, and as we look at the state of the world, then we need to be praying. So can I ask you, how is your prayer life? If your life was to be measured by how you pray and what you pray and how long you pray, what would it say about us? And could it be that this year, we lean in, we, we press in all the more, we, we ask God to give us a heart of prayer and we begin to live with his unction for the world in which we live today. I don't merely just want to talk about prayer. I don't merely want to esteem prayer. I want to be a man of prayer. And I've been greatly challenged recently as been walking through Ravenhill's life, especially those statements where he says, you know, what if your primary ministry was prayer? You know, the apostles in the early church, things were getting so busy that it says that they gave themselves to the ministry of prayer and the teaching of the word. That it was the word and prayer that was the primary focus. I've been deeply challenged recently of, all right, things are busy. My life's a little full. What what if I said, okay, Lord, I'm all in. And I start honing my focus so that my life and my ministry was a life of the word and prayer. I would encourage you to consider the same thing, regardless if you're a plumber or a stay-at-home mom or whatever it is that you do. What what if the ministry that God has called you to? Because we are we are all ministers, we're all ambassadors of the gospel of grace. What if you and I saw our lives, our ministry, primarily as spending time with our precious Savior? And it's not again not so much about doing things for Him as much as it is spending time with Him. And what if all the things that we do is really the outflow of our intimacy and our time with him? Can I encourage you to evaluate your prayer life and really start leaning in and start to allow him to grow and deepen and expand what that can look like in your life? 
Well, I just thought it'd be a fun way to end this particular episode by giving you a short exhortation from Raven Hill on the topic of prayer. So let me just say thank you as always for listening to the podcast. And if you want the show notes for this episode, including a list of those quotes that I read earlier, you can get all of that at the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 314 for episode 314. Now, without further ado, here is Leonard Ravenhill on the topic of prayer. If there's any prayer that needs to be prayed in the church of God today, as far as I'm concerned, it is, Lord, teach us to pray. Not, not teach us to want to pray. Teach us to pray. Te- teach us what it is. Teach us not the vocabulary, the disposition. Prayer is not an attitude. Not a latitude, an attitude. Prayer is not a position whether you kneel or face the east. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. That's why the Apostle Paul says that it is possible to get to that place where where you pray without ceasing, where every moment of your life you're in an attitude of relationship to Him, not for something you want, but that somehow God might come again and breathe. You see, the answer to America tonight is not in the White House, forget it. The answer to America is in God's house. There was another man by the name of Payson. I like to alliterate that and say he was praying Payson of Portland. He was a man who, when they prepared him for his casket, they discovered he had some hoofs on his knees. Tradition says that James, the apostle, had calluses on his knees with prayer. Payson had the same thing. In fact, before luxury came and we got so soft, he... he, slept in a bedroom that had no covering on the floor. It had a hard floor like this. And at the side of his bed they found two grooves. Two places that were worn six or seven inches long and deep and uh, they wondered why they were at the side of his bed. And then somebody said this was the place where he always prayed. And actually he had plowed two grooves in the floor of his bedroom in his intercession. He was a little Scotsman. He lived a few miles north of Chicago on the border of the lake. And I got to see him for about ten minutes. He began to thank me for the books I'd written, particularly on prayer, and uh, I, I hushed him and said, No, the honor is, is the other way. I'm honored to see you. Well, they carried him out of his little house on the 9th of February this year, and would you believe it, it was the first time he'd been out of the house in twelve and a half years never been out of the door of his own house in twelve and a half years never been to bed one night for thirty years this isn't back in Finney's day or in the days of the when they were breaking the frontier here this, this is in our day, in your day, in my day just a few months ago of course they didn't put his picture on the front of Time magazine if they did I'd have objected to it anyhow that this little man learned the art of intercession. He prayed every night from ten at night until five or six in the morning whenever the burden lifted. Now somebody will ask me the question, did he sleep? Well, what do you think he was? Of course he slept. But he learned to do what the hymn writer says in that hymn, 
Work for the night is coming. Give every flying minute something to keep in store. He pushed the day around. In case you don't know, there are 24 hours in it. They're divided into three eights. Normally, you work eight, you sleep eight. What do you do with the other eight? On the same basis, you live 60 years, you work 20, you sleep 20, and what do you do with the other 20? One of the hymn writers says, I often say my prayers, but do I ever pray? Like the little boy went to church with his daddy, his daddy bowed his head, did this, and the little fellow said, what did you, what did you say? He said, shut up. <laughs> because he couldn't remember, never mind the Lord. Therefore pray. Always pray. I've said this often, and it's got me into trouble, but I'm still going to say it anyhow. I'm quite sure of this, that no man, I don't care how large his church, I don't care how many books he's written, how far he's traveled, I do not believe that any man or woman is greater than their prayer life. If you learn this lesson while you're young, you younger folk, you know, nobody can impress God. Ever thought about that? The Spirit of God descended on a bunch of people at Hernhut in Germany. You know, that in one sense is, 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 is a more wonderful miracle than Pentecost in this sense. That, do you know how long that prayer meeting lasted? It started at precisely 11 o'clock that Wednesday morning on the 13th of August, 1727. And do you know what? It lasted 100 years without stopping. That prayer room was never empty for 100 years. Little boys and girls, seven and eight years of age, would groan and travel in birth for revival. <laughs> don't go out and say like people say, well, I've made up my mind I'm going to pray four hours a day after this. Why don't you make your mind up you're running the Olympics tomorrow? There was much chance. You don't change overnight. We approximate to it. We, we, we get our muscles stronger and stronger in the place of prayer. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. I don't think I ever go to a prayer meeting for what I pray one simple prayer amongst others. And that is, Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs>